Well, Grace 412 podcast listeners, we are finally at part four of our series studying through this word, Kavanaugh, that means to aim and hit the bullseye. We've been talking about what it looks like to live with intention, with purpose, and with direction. We talked about this in our discipleship conversation while we were at camp, and we've continued this conversation through this idea of intentional living, purpose, and direction-driven living. As a group and as individuals, we have decided that we are going to aim for four things in our life. We're going to intentionally study scripture to know God. We're going to recognize God's love for us and share that love with others. We're going to have a spirit of prayerfulness. And then all of that and so much more is going to allow us and help us to live all of life as worship. That's our ultimate goal. That's our ultimate purpose, that all of our life would be about God's goodness and God's mercy and God's faithfulness and God's worthiness, and that we would point all of our life back to him to make much of Jesus. In the book that we studied at camp, they call it C-323 Living. It comes from Colossians 3.23, where he says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. We say it here uh, around grace that worship in biblical context is giving God glory for who he is, what he has done, and who we are in light of that. And so we're going to study out Colossians 3.23 tonight. For context, Colossians, the entire book, carries this weight of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and who we are in light of that. And so Colossians 1, simply put, if in one sentence, would be, you exist because of Jesus. Give him preeminence. Give him first place. We saw that last week when we looked at verse 17 of Colossians chapter 1, where he says, hey, Jesus is before all things, and in him all things exist. All things hold together. And then you go to Colossians chapter 2, and it talks about the gospel. It talks about salvation. It talks about what Jesus has done. And the, the sentence that we could wrap all of that into would be, you are free because of Jesus. Give him praise and give him glory. He says, hey, in Colossians 2, he says, don't let anyone push you toward anything or anyone other than Jesus. He talks about how Jesus took our sin out of the way. It talks about how he made a show openly of both the law and the condemners. Jesus has freed us. And he ends it basically saying, now you get to live for him. Verse 6 of Colossians chapter 2, he says, as you have received Christ, so walk in him. And so now we get to Colossians chapter 3, and we see worship as an action. We, as a group and as a church, talk a lot about what it looks like for us to worship as a group and as a church. We talk a lot about specifically what it looks like to worship in song and during the song service. But in tone with this series, in tone with practical application, in tone with discipleship, what we want to do tonight is actually study Colossians chapter 3 and see worship as a way of life, worship in action. And so Colossians chapter three and verse one, he continues what he was saying in chapter two. He says in verse one, chapter three, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. He says, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life shall appear, then you shall also appear with him in glory. And so Paul points back to what's been done. He says, hey, you have exist because of Jesus, right? Colossians chapter 1. You've been free because of Jesus, Colossians chapter 2. And now he says, now seek those things that are above. So first he says, seek. He says, look toward 
what's above. And then he says, set your affection on things above. So he says, look toward the things that are above. And then he says, and I want you to fix your affection on that. Paul understood this about worship. He understood that what grabs our attention will gain our affection. And what gains our affection will get our allegiance. This isn't just a catchy phrase or a, a quippy sentence. This is the reality of our lives and the reality of worship. What grabs our attention, he says, set your, uh, he says, seek the things that are above first. He says, what grabs your attention will gain your affection. And then he says, set your affection on things above because what gains your affection will get your allegiance. And so a simple calibrating question for us is this, what are you living for? What is the thing that has our attention? What is the thing that has our affection? Because that is the thing that is going to have our allegiance. That is the thing that we are worshiping, the thing that we're looking toward, the thing that we're living for, the thing that we can't stop thinking about, the thing that we can't stop putting effort into, the thing that we can't put, stop putting energy into, the thing that uh, consumes us. That is the thing that we're worshiping. We're all worshipers. We were created to be worshipers. The idea is what are are we worshiping? What grabs our attention will gain our affection. What gains our affection will get our allegiance. Paul says a life of glorifying God cannot be all about glorifying God until you are moving toward God. He says, first of all, seek the things above. And then he says, set your affection on things above. And so he gives uh, two things. He says, turn from and turn to. He says, we've got to be moving toward God. So the first thing is he says, turn from sin and selfishness. And then he lists things off here in verses 5 through 11. He says, turn from sin and selflessness. Look at verse 5. He says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate, uh, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He says, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. He says, in which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now you also put off these things. He says, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. And you have put on the new man that is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. He says, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to live for Jesus if you're still living for yourself. It's going to be hard to glorify God while you're still sinning. And that's why he says, you've got to turn from sin and self, selfishness. He says, put your mind on things above. Verse 5, he says, mortify your bodies. He says, get your bodies under control. And then we look at verse five and think fornication, uncleanness, natural affection, like all of these uh, kind of quote unquote big sins. And we're like, oh, these aren't really temptations for me. I, I don't get mixed up in those kind of things. But you go to what Jesus said in the New Testament, Jesus in the gospels, he actually said, hey, actually, if you lust after someone that's not your spouse, the, the, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And so when we think about this statement, all of life is worship, we go back again and we remember what grabs our attention will gain our affection, what gains our affection will get our allegiance. And we look at verse five and go, wait a second, I've got a lot of things grabbing for my attention. I've got a lot of things that are maybe even gaining my affection and maybe some things that I have allowed to become idols in my life that I am worshiping. 
especially in today's day and age, it's so easy for our attention to be grabbed, for us to turn from who God is and what God has done and giving him glory and turn toward a life of sin and selfishness and self-pleasing. Some of us, we look at verse five and we go, hey, so those things are still not really big tempters for me. But then you get to verse eight and nine in the list of things to turn from. And he says, anger, wrath, bitterness, rude speech, negative. He basically is talking about negative speech or gossiping. And we think again of all of life is worship. And we go, wait a second, including how I treat people and how I talk to and about others, that's a part of worship too. And so a calibrating question for us here when we come to verses five through 10 is, what sin is it that keeps you from glorifying God with all of our lives? He says, hey, listen, your life can't be about worship if most of your life is spent sinning. That's why in verse seven, he says, hey, you used to walk this way, but you don't live here anymore. Remember, you are free because of Jesus. Give him glory and give him praise. It's time that we turn away from our sin. But then secondly, we turn toward the spirit and truth. We, we turn to the truth of God's word and the fruit of God's spirit. That's, that's the reality of what Jesus has done for us, right? Isn't that what Jesus said worship is? John chapter four, he's talking to the woman at the well and he says, hey, those that are true worshipers are gonna worship in spirit and truth. When we think of all of life being worship, we've gotta first recognize all of life can't be about worship when there's those little parts of our life that are still self-pleasing, that are still sin-filled. But then the second thing is all of life can't be about worship if we are not living in spirit and truth. The truth of God's word and the fruit of God's spirit. So you go to Colossians chapter three, again in verse 10, he says, you've put on the new man that is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. He says, you're becoming more like Jesus. In verse 11, he says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free. But look, he says, but Christ is all and in all. He says, you've put on this new man. And in that new man, he says, Christ is all and in all. Remember Colossians 1, 17. In him, all things hold together. And then he keeps on going. Verse 12, he says, there's neither, or, uh, he says in verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you forgive. He says, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness and let the peace of God rule in the hearts to which you are also called in one body and be you thankful. So he says, then Christ is all, put Christ first. And he says, and in that, he says, put on mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering. He says, forbear and forgive one another, even as Christ forgave you. And he says, and above all, love one another. And then in first, verse 15, he says, and then the peace of God will produce within you a heart of thanksgiving. You notice this though, what he's listing off. They're fruits of the spirit. See, he's, he's listing off these fruits of the Spirit in the context of a life of worship. And this is so good because we've always said worship doesn't exist apart from a work of the Spirit. We've always said that, right? That, that if it wasn't for the Spirit of God coming in and showing us who we are and who He is, if it wasn't for the Spirit of God uniting us, then we wouldn't be able to worship Him how He deserves to be worshiped. That's why we worship in Spirit and truth. But I think it goes beyond just a work of the Holy Spirit. I think we should take it a step further and understand all of life isn't worship 
apart from the fruits of the Spirit. This, is, this goes beyond just singing a few songs. This is about a way of life. And all of life will not be worship apart from the fruits of the Spirit. It's not enough to just put off the old man. It's about putting on the new man, about becoming more like Jesus. It's about letting the Spirit of God do what only He can do to produce love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and meekness and faith, all the things listed here. See, a lot of us keep trying to kill the flesh by setting up boundaries or having higher standards or keeping ourselves from troublesome situations, and we think that that's going to produce a life of worship, that we are going to glorify God by the things that we don't do. We're trying to live a life of worship by not doing a list of things. But in doing so, we're actually still feeding the flesh and we're actually still making ourselves the center of it all. But somebody wisely said, feed the spirit and the flesh will starve. It's not just about fighting fire with fire. It's not just about fighting the flesh with flesh. When we fight man-centered sin with man-centered standards, we feed the flesh in a more subtle but equally dangerous way. If God's end goal is that we would be fully reliant on him and fully satisfied in him, then it is only through him that we will find both satisfaction and victory. We are putting off the old man and we're putting on the new man. And so how do we do that then? How do we turn from sin and self? How do we turn toward the spirit and truth? We look at it in Colossians 3, verse 16 and 17. You think about Romans 12. He says, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of testimony. Look at how it's worded here. Colossians 3, verse 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Verse 17, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Simply put, he says, let the words of Jesus be a part of your everyday interactions. He said, I want you to teach and encourage one another in what? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then he goes on in verse 17 and says, actually, it's not just singing. He says, whatever you do, do it for the Lord. He's, he's talking about being intentional about the words of Christ, about, about the word of God and letting that truth overflow into our spirit-filled living, into our worshipful way of life. And so a calibrating question here is, when is the last time that you were conscious of the spirit's relevance in a relationship or conversation? And when is the last time you were intentional about pointing out Jesus' relevance in a relationship or conversation? And then he goes on in verses 18 through 22. He says, hey, whether it's spouses or kids or coworkers or managers, at that time, even slaves and owners. And he says, I don't care about the dynamic. He says then in verse 323, what we already knew and quoted, he says, whatever you do, do it hardly as unto the Lord and not for man. And he says, verse 24, knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, he says, do it for the Lord. That's why the fruits of the Spirit are so important. That's why the Word of God is so important, that we would become more like Jesus. And as we become more like Jesus, as we, we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that He would produce in us love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, all of these things that allow us to shine a light on who God is and what God has done. 
whatever we're doing then we can do for the Lord. Worship is about what? Giving God glory for who he is, for what he's done, and who we are in light of that. It's not just a song. It's not just on Sundays or Wednesdays. It's not just when we're together. It's not just a praise report or a simple statement, right, that we make when when someone compliments us. It's not just deflecting back to, oh, praise God. It's not a one-time thing. It's not one action or one statement. Worship is an action. It's an ongoing thing. Worship is a way of life. And so what are you doing to bring God glory? And what is it that's keeping you from doing the things that would bring God glory? What grabs your attention will gain your affection and then eventually get your allegiance. That's why Paul says, seek the things above. Look to the things above. Tunnel vision toward Jesus. Don't let the other stuff grab your attention. And then he says, set your affection on those things that are above. The more you know Jesus, the more you love Jesus. The more you love Jesus, the more you recognize his love for you, and the more you love others. And that's when God gets glory. And so let's, as a group and as individuals, have Kavanaugh, have intention, have purpose, have direction. As we set our sights on Jesus, as we give him our attention, our affection, and our allegiance, and we become a people who worships him in spirit and in truth in all that we do. That's our goal, not just for this week, but for every day of our lives. We're going to do a wrap-up session next week on K4, and then we're going to be starting a new series in just a couple weeks. I can't wait to share it with you guys. We'll talk then. Music.